0: Failure causes stress, but what steps do we take to take care of ourselves? My next guest, Anya Land, she shares some personal stories, but also how she took personal ownership and some tools that she used to check in on herself.
1: Failing, failing, failing. I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost, and survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough
0: decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life, that a blessing. Achieve your dream, and then what we do with it. And this is failing forward.
1: Welcome Anya. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Sarah. What you're doing is amazing. I think since we first met yeah. at Bowl Fusion and yes. we talked about failure then, failure has spiked on on my radar ten times over since then.
0: Okay. It is it's definitely the buzzword.
1: A lot of what I experienced and come to like know about myself is like I handle stressful situations differently. Like my body just Um, processes stress differently Um, and knowing that I study public health um, and what I know about how stress resonates with people I think that you know as an African American woman and how I've um, perceived stress is differently than others but it doesn't mean that other people don't experience the same level of stress and how that affects their body. So little known fact, um, the white males uh, yes. account for 7 out of 10 suicides um, in 2015. So of the 7 out of 10 suicides, um, white males occupy a majority of those. You wouldn't think that, right? Never
0: would. I would never know that.
1: Um, and the rate of suicide is highest among middle-aged white men and... Um, and last thing is for every suicide, there are 25 attempts. So when you think about like how at from any From the men or from any of them? From men.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So when you think about, and these um, stats came from the Centers for Disease Control on the Fatal Injury Report of 2015. Okay. And so when you think about what that means, like I know how I process stress, but I'm not immune to this. Right. Like right. I am not a right. singular case. Um, I think in the last couple of years there there have been situations that I've been in that have caused me to be successful in my career, but almost at the detriment of my family um, and my friends. And so those are what I would consider to be failures in their own right. Um, well, give me an example. So let's talk about that, because I, I think that's really mm-hmm. interesting.
0: Give me an example of that and how... Um, How it was evidenced through symptoms, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. So there was a stretch um, during a two-year stretch when I not only nearly lost um, a baby, Mm -hmm. um, but I also ended up in the emergency department, which what I thought I I thought was having a heart attack. um, And it was actually an anxiety attack. Um, And it was the result of a lot of things, but I will kind of stopped to kind of process both of those situations and kind of what I've learned about my, like, severe personal ownership in that and, and the outcomes that should have happened, um, but I just wasn't prepared. Again, like, you know, young and ambitious professional. Um, I
0: I can totally understand this concept around... You I think in America, we play hard and we work hard.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think the younger generations are teaching us that, they're, that we need to slow it down and to appreciate not just work. Because I can become a workaholic, mm-hmm. okay? Like, mm-hmm. I will put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, and I can relate to the anxiety piece of having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are other options out there. Which right. I want us to get into. Oh, absolutely! But yeah, tell me, tell me how this came about for you. Yeah,
1: so when I was working at a previous employer, um, I was given a project management role, first time with the title. Great work, um, great mission, in what I was doing. Um, and the task at hand was to complete fifty-two or so unique reports that were each like 50 pages a piece. And these okay. were like huge reports, lots to go into them. And so I accepted the task knowing that I was familiar with the content. It fit my background. I was prepared for this in terms of like academically. I got my master's in public health. Um, I had had practice doing them in the past. So I would thought to myself, you know, I can do this from an academic perspective. Mm-hmm. I have my plans in place, timelines in place, stakeholders in place. Um, but during that time, talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. Um At the time, my family and I was a little bit split. So my husband and my oldest son were living in one city, city and in another. yep, and I was in another. And so I saw that as the green light to put all my eggs in one basket, I worked, you know, ten, twelve hour days. There were nights when I would be in the office till two in the morning. Um, And this was a pace that I kept for around six months. Wow. So I wasn't eating well. I wasn't drinking well. um, I wasn't sleeping at all. And I carried that burden of stress because I didn't want people to know that I was, again, trying to do the best job that I could on the job. But what that took to get to that point um, landed me in the emergency department. And it was a day when I had actually taken some time to go to lunch with a friend. Yeah. And so you would think like on the surface, everything was going swimmingly. We were ahead of schedule. Um, I had time to meet with the friends. You had it all under control. Had it all under control. Right. And then as we were driving back to our, the office, I got like a tingling sensation in my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart was racing, just going back to the symbolic environment that was so toxic for so long. Now, I'll pause here and say that, you know, two months prior, I started going to um, physical therapy because I couldn't lift my shoulder over my head. And part of that was because I didn't have a a good working area. Again, like working wherever I could, my shoulders were hunched over. I didn't have good posture because I was just at a computer, working feverishly. Do 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 do. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't stop and think like, "Huh, I wonder why I'm going to physical therapy. I wonder what the root cause of that is." Yes, I didn't. Yes. I didn't have time to stop and think about why my body was responding in that way until the straw that broke the camel's back was just going back to the building. Um, had my heart racing, and so I went to the emergency room. They checked my, my EKG, my heart rate, blood tests, everything, and it was my blood pressure was high. Um, my heart was racing because I was just anxious. So the doctor put me on bed rest, and I think the the failure in that was even after I Wait, left. Were you
0: pregnant then? No, I wasn't. No, okay, I wasn't pregnant. Okay. Then. This okay.
1: So even at that point, um, the doctor put me on bed rest, and you know. I I stopped to think like, wow, I'm I'm gonna be on bed rest and I remember the next day I was on bed rest with my laptop in my lap, trying to send my husband an email about why it would be okay for me to just work from home so oh. I could finish up what I was working on because I didn't wanna miss a deadline. And thankfully he totally shut down the idea and was like, You're on bed rest like No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was my advocate in that yes. sense he was there for me to just to say you just, just stop yeah and the reports finished everything was fine and I Project was successful. Project was successful, yeah. And And I I left the job. From a work perspective, it was successful. Right. Not from a personal. Not from a personal perspective. That ended horribly. Um, And so um, that was one situation where I thought, you know, I probably should have. There are some things that I could have done differently there, like taking personal ownership over that whole situation. I was so focused on being flawless in my execution of the project that I didn't take the time to check in on, on me. me and i didn't call in people to support me and say i need you to check on me because i'm going through a really stressful time and my default mechanisms are to just bang it out to to not talk about it and just get the job done Isolate head down. and get it yeah time. and so that was a failure on my part i didn't do that well so then you know moving forward again this is a, within a two-year period um did you stay in that job or were you like, no, I don't love this, you know, this isn't I, right for I me? I actually didn't. Another opportunity was offered to me. And so did you have to ask for it or no, did it just come up? It just kinda of fell on my lap. And so my stars aligned and you know, it was great that I moved into another role that was again another promotion, another thing that I felt like I was prepared for. Um with my skill set, with my background, ready to just hammer out the work. My family and I, we got together, same city. All things were kind of working together um, in my home life. Um, But again, as a young professional in a new role with high expectations, um, I again fell into a situation where I created a situation where the stakes were really high. I did not set any Boundaries per se on what my limitations were. Yes. Um, and at the time, I was pregnant, and there came a day when I almost lost my child, and it was in a moment when I was again overstressed with what was going on at work, not in a good work environment, where my um, the people that I worked most closely with were a bit toxic and not supportive Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one thing to know from like a statistical perspective that um, black women are three times as likely to die due to pregnancy and childbirth than white women what why for a lot of reasons Um, oftentimes it's related to um, the stress comma um, Comma. (laughs) you know there's a lot of them right so stretch is one factor Um, another is racial discrimination Another reason is so, like in healthcare, like in all but, sectors. But I mean, no. But why die? Hmm. Well, because um, oftentimes, just the complications of your your holistic view of life, right? Your your life at work, life at home, life in your community, when there are those outside stressors that impact your household, whether, for example, um, a lot of times we talk about children who have post-traumatic stress disorder from living in an inner city where oftentimes there may be shootings or there may, people may die, in their family um, because of things going on or how they're treated, that stress as a heightened sense of awareness of not feeling comfortable in your environment. Not safe. Yeah. And another thing is oftentimes African-American women are caregivers for other family members or family members' children. So that added expectation of not just caring for yourself, but caring for your family, caring for your extended family, and being um, a gift and a blessing to others in your community adds a lot of layers of stress when you think about like what you need to come to work with every day totally so knowing that um it's i I knew that going into this and so i sat there and i i was fine one minute and the next thing i knew i started spotting i went to the emergency room um i almost lost my baby Hmm. um and so again the doctor put me on bed rest (laughs) and um and I just had to just stop. That time I did stop and, and let, you know, the folks around me know, hey, I'm having an emergency. I need you to cover things. I need some time off, right? So learning from previous mistakes, I set some boundaries on what I knew. Could and couldn't do. And- yeah. And knowing that I needed to honor this because, like, you know, part of, I think part of being a woman is that you you want to, um, those for those who want to have a family, you know, you want to, care for another life and I knew that at the pace that I was going at I just had to make some tough decisions okay Anya is this a trend so
0: are there more and more women that are having miscarriages that are working women yeah is there data around this
1: um there is data around that um although like the, the the data um the data shows that between the years of I think 2001 to 2011 um, during this kind of rebirthing of the Affordable Care Act and things, there are more women who are going to like prenatal appointments and they're receiving better care. They have better access to health care. And so the data shows that there is a decrease in the number of preterm births. I know in a lot of states they have a lot of initiatives to help women, um, d- just to help and support women and prevent preterm births and okay. deaths due to um to having children um but again it's um infant mortality is a huge issue um in the united states we have some of the worst infant mortality rates in comparison to other developed and undeveloped nations Um, and again that stress is a trigger of that and is that a socioeconomic um
0: demographic or it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter it doesn't matter
1: Um, and so the rates show that um African American women do have the highest rate of infant mortality in comparison to Asians. So, um, to give you some perspective, there's 11.3 per 1,000. Um, the rate is 11.3 per 1,000 for African American women, and in compared to Asians, their rate is 4.2 per 1,000. And okay. so, you'll see there. You can I, I'm not going to like equate that to like your socioeconomic status because I've spoken with a lot of educated women who have. Um, also suffered from preterm births or miscarriages. And so I don't want to say that it is directly linked to socioeconomic status, but there are different factors that play a role in that. Like, yes, um, access to health care is one. Your education is another. Your social support is mm-hmm. another. So um, to take a step back, when you think about the number of women who um, are upwardly mobile in their careers and they relocate. And they don't move to an area where they have a social support support system or their family isn't there. That adds um, an indirect level of stress about who do you call when you need a referral for a good doctor? Who do you call when you need a, a babysitter? Like who can be there to counsel and coach you, who do you trust,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And so there's, you see that there's this increase in like education, but when you're upperly really mobile and you have ambitious goals, you're not oftentimes thinking about, well, I'm going to take this position with the raise because, and knowing that you have a support network and friends in the new area, you take the position. Right. And so it's a trade-off and you don't really think about that. I know I didn't think about that. Like my, my family and I have moved seven times in the last 10 years.
0: Are you kidding me? No,
1: No kidding. Oh my gosh. So, and I know I'm not alone in that, you know, sure. as soon as we'll, you know, we network and communicate with other, like, upperly mobile families, next thing you know, they're, they've been relocated, or they move. So it's just, you know, we talk about the positive of having a transient population of um, young professionals who are moving up in their careers. But the downside to that is oftentimes the support system Isolation, doesn't move and with no them. support
0: system. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so let's talk
0: about what are our solutions here.
1: Yeah. So solutions are huge. So I, you know, by nature of who I am, I do take severe personal ownership over my faults. But for each of those faults and from what I've learned about my failures, um, I do have some solutions. So um, the first thing that I identified from my two situations was that I didn't intervene when my body showed early biological signs of stress. OK,
0: so listen to your body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, At the time, I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't drinking enough water. And I didn't have enough mental health preparedness. Again, what does that look like? Right. So mental health preparedness is when you have a healthy level of excitement and not anxiety. So mental health preparedness is how you really think about what you're doing in terms of self-care. Okay. So it's one thing to be anxious about something but are you turning your anxiety into excitement over what's to come? And so when you think about what that looks like, that means part of it is expressing what you have to look forward to, but also what you're gonna need in those moments to self-care, whether it's you know regular massages, whether yes. it's checking in with your mentor, your advocate, or your coach on how you're doing. So I've been really good about the massages. Great.
0: Um, but checking in with mentor, mm, not so much. Okay.
1: Yeah. Or, or even coach. having um, scheduling time on your calendar to just do a self check. So, one thing that I do is every week I'll set a recurring appointment to just check in with myself time to reflect. Um, I feel I have a long commute, right? So I know many of us do. So I start my day with certain rituals that will put me in a positive headspace. Okay. So what's your check-in? So my check-in is all about stress because I know for me, that's a trigger of how my body can negatively react. Um, So I heard this quote that stress brains think that everything is important and stress brains. Yeah. So when your brain is, is stressed, you think that everything is important. Everything needs to be done yes. now. And you like get high into urgency. This, yes. And Ooh, you get into this vicious that. cycle of um, everything needs to be done. So like, you know, you can walk through your house and you say, oh, the kitchen is messy. Oh, I need to clean that up. But, oh, I can't clean it up because I need to go to the store Oh, I need to go to the store. but I need to make a list. And, and you know, it's like this spiraling out of control of all the things that you need to do instead of just pausing and thinking about What's the biggest priority right now? Okay. So I check in with myself when it comes to work and how I'm processing stress just to say, well, what's most important right now and what do I need to move forward? Okay. Um, so what's the circa thing? So circa, it's kind of my response to if I get into that point of thinking that everything is a high priority. Yeah, which I, that happens to me a lot, just so you know. Okay. Same here. Same here. So circa. So first I, I chunk it. I look at what the issue and the problem is and I try to process it in terms of things that I need to do together to address the problem. So, chunk it. So, um, again, with uh, an example that I could give you is... I am working on a Cultural Competency Champion program right now, okay. which is great and super stressful, but I'm really excited about it. Yes. Genuinely. So oftentimes I'll get an email request for um, inviting more people to the program. And I think to myself, well, do I need to develop the program first or do I need to reach out to get people bought into the idea? Yes. And so the chunky piece comes in looking at what the real problem is. Um, I need to Simultaneously develop a program and get people bought in, but I chunk the request. So I'll prioritize sending a direct communication to the group and give them the the outline mm-hmm. um saving the dates and getting the buy in um and asking for resources so like I'll chunk what needs to happen first second third and fourth got it instead of just thinking about oh I have this program that's that's I need to implement yeah. immediately okay the i in circa is ignore your mental chatter um that voice in your head that clutters your thoughts and i think that a lot of people say that they are um, they have attention deficit disorder because they always have a lot of thoughts going on in their head. And essentially you quiet the chatter. You just focusing on the positive, focusing on the task at hand, you really just take some time to focus on what you need to do first. So another thing that I do with my schedule is I will block out times um, in my calendar where I'll focus on one topic for multiple hours at a time.
0: Yes. Or I'll do it for like sixty minutes, mm-hmm. take a break, and then do it again. Because if I'm yeah. doing it for three hours, I'll kill myself.
1: Right, right. But when you keep your mind focused on one singular thought or yes. topic, you waste um, you don't waste as much energy. Because and you don't because you're not distracted. Right. 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 Totally. Um okay. the R in circuit is doing a reality check. Remember, uh, my husband was my reality check when I was on bed rest with my laptop yes. open. And he said, just stop and slow it down. So taking some time to do a reality check, you know, you, you keep thinking, you you want to, you go through life thinking that if everything is important, um, but doing a reality check will help you keep things into perspective. So do you do the reality check or do you have, do you
0: ask somebody else, like a loved one to do a reality check?
1: Well, I have to start it, right? The change starts with me i take personal ownership over how i spend my time okay so part of that is holding myself accountable for checking in and then calling in people that i need and i trust trusted advisors absolutely okay um i'll try to wrap this up so the next one is the control check Um, make sure that you have always control check to me is recognizing are you playing offense or defense Are you playing offense or defense? That means do you have control over what's in front of you or are you the recipient and on the receiving end of whatever comes at you? What do you want to be? You want to be on the offense. You want to be on the offense because when you're doing your control check, if you're on the offense, that means that you are two steps ahead of your opponent. That means that you're two steps ahead of your deadline. That means that you have control over what you're pushing out and what you're receiving. When you're on the defense, you can end up in the emergency room not knowing how you got there.
0: Yeah. So th- and the defense also, in my head, it sounds um, more like fear-based, mm-hmm. you know, because you're defensive, you're yeah. like um, controlling, yeah.
1: right? How can you take feedback if you already feel like you're on the defense? Right. You know, even if it's from the sweetest place or constructive criticism, you can't receive positive intentions if you already feel threatened and you feel anxious and so that's why the control check is important for me because i like to stay on the offense so that that way it gives me some leverage in terms of how i'm investing my time and what i need to process to move forward into a better place i'm going to add one more thing about this offense thing this control check Mm -hmm. um
0: i have noticed that in the most stressful times of my life when i was white knuckling it and trying to control everything Mm -hmm. versus releasing and feeling sort of powerless in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Um, I just would, if something happened, I could only control my response to it versus trying to always control the outcome.
1: Absolutely. Does that fit
0: into that too? Totally
1: fits. That's what you have to do so that that way you can be open to possibilities. Right. That's, that's kind of the key. Brilliant. The A in Circa stands for your attention shift. And so, attention shift is important for me when I get into a stressful situation because it will help me be laser focused on what I need to what I need to do in that moment. Um, oftentimes, when we have a lot of um, a lot of birds in the air, a lot of balls in play, yeah. you can feel like you're not making progress on anything because you don't have anything solid to ground yourself to. So, having um, your attention shift to one thing um, really does just help you get more clarity and um, do deeper work in what you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. And I notice that when I am the most stressed or I don't remember what occurred during my day because I've been doing 500 things, which mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. You ever had that at the end of the day? You look back and you're like, what did I do today? Yeah. It's frightening. Yeah. Or um, you
1: can't tell which day it is because you can't t- you've had multiple days with 500 yes, plus things. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. But if I focus on like one thing that day mm-hmm. versus bopping around to 50 others... Yeah. that's
1: when I feel more grounded yeah and so I that's this. that's my that's my approach to things like I think that this isn't just a, a, a black woman issue it's not just oh, a millennial no. issue this is this, we all process stress differently but being more uh, attuned to how your body's responding is so important and the last thing I want to drive home is that it really is about make sure that you're keeping your priorities in sync You have to keep your priorities in order. So are
0: you super clear on your priorities? Super clear. Um, And you and your husband,
1: you guys talk about that? We do, but, you know, our priorities are different. The way that I process them is different than his, but we usually end up in the same place, and he knows how I need him to support me in that, and my friends know how I need them to support me in keeping those goals into perspective, and so I realized that oftentimes negative things happen when I, my priorities aren't in check. Mm-hmm. So I try to fill my life with things that will um, keep me in a positive space with my priorities: um, God, family, and work. I keep mine really simple. Yeah, I don't set elaborate goals for myself. I kind of relinquish the need to be right, and I just keep a simple philosophy for what I want to accomplish. And you know, I just I value the the process of Bringing people on board to really share my vision and what I'm trying to accomplish, but also hold me accountable to myself and to the work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've we had
0: another podcaster guest, um, Kirk Platt, and he, Kurt talks about he's very crystal clear on his priorities, mm-hmm. and I think his was God, sobriety, family maybe others in sobriety and then work was five yeah but he's got a super successful architectural firm you know but he said if he keeps those priorities in line Mm -hmm. he's able to be successful in all of them
1: because i think you know my definition definition of success has definitely changed over time like i don't view success just as a job well done and i don't view failure as fatal and so in that moment, you have to really think about what's important here. And work can't be one of those if you really want to make a life that's worth telling the story about.
0: What made you get, go to this shift about, um, it sounds like you've taken more like ownership
1: mm-hmm.
0: over the anxiety and the baby. Yeah. What um, was that shift? What made what me you about get that there? shift?
1: Because yeah. um, I forgot, it was something that wasn't even directly related to. Somebody was like, you know, when you point the finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. And I felt convicted to the core. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, I need to like, I need to process this. And, and so then I start to ask myself why five times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And I played a role in it.
0: Yeah. And so it was Did just. Did you get that from doing the Y's, the five Y's?
1: Well, it kind of just all like organically came about. I mean, because, I mean, two years is not that much time. Two years, two positions, um, like two different tax brackets. It like my life just grew exponentially. Two kids. My life grew so much so fast. I had to use that time to reflect every morning to figure out like, damn, this is great to be here, but God, how did I get Get here? here? And why did that go so horribly? And I don't have, I can't afford, I don't have that luxury of like failing repeatedly, knowing that the stakes are getting higher and higher and higher. So, you know, like a 45 minute commute to work and 45 minute back home with that time to really like, figure out like what role I play in this and what I want to do that behavior is what kind of got me here are you an introvert or an extrovert extrovert but my husband's an introvert
0: so do you you had quiet time like would you literally turn the radio
1: off in your no, car that drives no. me crazy I, I fall asleep driving <laughs> I will so what I do is I listen to inspirational material that puts my head space like what Tell um, me what those are. Oftentimes TED talks. Um, yeah. Oftentimes like um, Les Brown or Tony Robbins or Joe Olstein has a really fantastic audio book. Um, I know what you're Something like say. something like I am, and so I'll, or like autobiographies. I listen to a lot of rich content that will help my mind go to a more positive place where I dig that. I, I think about like, okay, this is what happened to them, and this is what they're saying, but this is how it resonates with me. And honestly, it comes it comes into like a sixth sense about. You know, when you hear a motivational speaker talk about a topic and then key words or phrases will resonate with me and it enlightens me about ways that I can improve my life.
0: I love that. And I love um, failure isn't fatal. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You are an amazing guest. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Sarah. I know you're really busy, so I really appreciate the time.
1: Anytime. All
0: right. I wanna thank everyone behind the scenes, Anna Bolke, our producer, and the incredible team at Gwyn Sound. If you liked this episode, please, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and write a review.